0: Football Frenzy.
1: Hey, you me so hot down there?
0: Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The Football Frenzy on Cofield & Company. Back here, Cofield
2: & Company inside the Corona Cantina at Silver 7s. Your spot for... Thursday in football, and all the NFL games. 77 Cent Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra Bottles down here in the Corona Cantina. Get on down. Check out the game. Packers Cardinals tonight. All the games on Sunday as well. Right just a little bit across the casino floor from the William Hill Sportsbook. Go in there, make your bets. Come down here, check out the game. It's a great time, Willie. Get some tickets. We got some UNLV tickets, both basketball and football. So get there down. You go. Here. Oh, basketball right around the corner.
1: College basketball. Adam's got a lot of studying to do. I think we should get into this a little bit more at some point as to exactly explain because you you, you mentioned it. You're reading your your annual Bible, but there's it's it's quite impressive as to what you do.
2: Can throw, I mean, I have some teams I could just throw out and give you a quick breakdown of. That's the that's the thing <laughs> is when
1: Adam is done with this, like you could ask about Stony Brook and he'll know. You could ask about Canisius and he'll 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 break it down for you and tell you who their ninth man is off the bench and how many minutes played he had last year. I mean, it's 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 pretty impressive. And you're and close,
2: then, but Canisius, uh, I believe, will finish last in the Metro Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do a report on them because I don't care. Oh. I only care about, like, the top? Iona? It's like the top 67. Iona oh, Iona's going to run away with that league. Uh, but you didn't mention Stony Brook. Yeah. I have them at uh, 21 wins. They're very good, very good offensively. No size. So they might get beat on the glass. Uh, defensively, they were a disaster last year. They think they're going to be better this year. They brought in some key transfers. Um, now, let me ask you a question. Media picked oh. them first in the league. Uh, Athlon Sports picked them fourth. Blue Ribbon picked them third. Could be okay. You have your apps. You, you bet on
1: the you bet on the apps. College basketball obviously is, is is tremendously fun to handicap and to bet on, especially if you can zero in every year on one of the mid majors or even the mid mid majors. What is one of your favorite
2: mid mid majors? The small ones. To, to oh, I love Big Sky basketball. Do you? I do love too. Big Sky basketball and Ivy. I've always talked about the Ivy League being. Yeah um you know near and dear to my heart for sure uh big sky you know who's gonna win that league easily is it southern utah with todd simons it's todd simons southern utah team the thunderbirds man they're good yeah they are good they, you
1: know they've become they've sort of become the uh the the 90s early 2000s like the northern arizona lumberjacks that was once coached by mike adris the former gorman coach from way back when um with Northern Arizona was always a team to reckon with in that in that conference. Now I'm going to say there.
2: Like Northern Arizona had a quick run. Weber State was pretty dominant for a while. Montana had a good run too. I'm going to say as long. Well, here's the thing. Todd Simon will not be in Southern Utah very long. I know he loves it there, but he's going to move on. Uh, he's going to have a a great job somewhere. Uh, but as long as he's there, they're going to be a dominant program in that league. They're going to they're going to they're going to crush the people. Last year, it sucked. 20, 20 wins. Twenty and four last season by the way at the top of my head 24 Southern Utah was last season and then got stunned stunned in their tournament it sucks sucks that that did not happen uh, for them what a great season for Southern Utah but the postseason was cut short the Raiders hope they have a postseason. how about that nice professional straight broadcasting straight. segue. what uh, they have not been good late in seasons have not been good after their bye week the last couple of seasons I know uh, you threw out uh, a stat earlier that I was looking at: uh, three and fifteen following the buy the last eighteen years, including getting outscored by twenty and a half points per game over the last four years. I, I believe that. was I got that was, from Josh. Was it? Of, of course, it, it's a negative stat. Of course, Josh <laughs> DuBois had it. Uh, last year was the Falcons game, the game off the buy. How ugly was that? It was horrific. Uh, obviously. Um. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to have to try to avoid that. But there's signs that the Raiders are different. Actually, last
1: week off, last year off the bye was a 45 20 home loss to
2: Tom Brady and the oh, Tampa Bay right. Buccaneers. Wait, was that, hold on, was that a bye or was that? Yeah, I'm looking. I guess at it was. Oh, it was a game that was moved, though. It was supposed to be a night game and it got moved to an afternoon game, I believe. Last year was a weird schedule.
1: Yeah, that. It got moved to four five, October twenty fifth. Um, looks like it was around the same time that the, with buys. Um, the the Falcons game was after the really close home loss to the Chiefs, 35-31. Right. and That's then right. they went to Atlanta, lost forty three to six, and then lost to the Jets. Or excuse they me, beat they the beat Jets the Jets, on, Jets on the last play with
2: rugs. Yeah. So basically, it's been it's been kind of ugly, uh, not only after the buys, but down the stretch the last few seasons, the Raiders. I think are different. I think that they're better. They're built differently. Um, I also feel like, listen, I think they're. I think it's sustainable to play the way they've played the last couple of weeks. But I do think there's also reasons to believe teams will catch up a little bit. Like, the Raiders made some subtle adjustments offensively that I've been screaming about all season. Um, they did it, and it's working. But at some point... As much as it is working, like teams aren't going to start scouting it. They're going to be more prepared for it. The Raiders were running almost zero play action, especially on early downs, early in the season. They are by far last in the league. Mm-hmm. Now they're like middle of the pack in the league. They're doing it a lot more often. It's working. By the way, that helps the rest of your offense. It helps your running game. Um, it helps the passing game because teams' linebackers have to be prepared for run or pass, and they have to usually step up. Uh, to to play the run on that play fake and then you have a little bit zone over the top of that Uh, so yeah there's there's a lot of things that can help uh, as far as that goes in terms of running that offense but teams are going to start to adjust to that they're going to prepare for it they haven't been looking for it out of the Raiders uh, and they've and they've so that I think it's been effective but now teams are going to start studying you and catching up and seeing what you're doing differently. So now that's that's when you have to adjust and take the next step. Right, and that's what was brought up, you know, when
1: when especially against uh, um, – what was the first game at the – Denver. Denver. Is that – and we we even asked Vic Pangio that. You were in on that. It was you, me, Ed, Heidi. We were talking in that conference call. You know, just would they would, – were the Raiders at an advantage because – and he said, "Well, they still have the same offensive components. They still somewhat have the same system. So, yes, someone different is going to be calling the plays, but it's still the same system. So, you know. But in reality, it is a it's a it's a brand new, and 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 it's turned out to be a brand new attack. So, yes, you're right. The studying is going to be taken, but at the same time, what the Raiders are going to be doing is." They're going to be tweaking things, seeing what their strengths are, seeing where they can branch out. Because let's not forget, they've somewhat simplified to make things a little bit easier. We've heard that. We've heard that from some of the guys. That, you know, they're, it's not as crazy and, and big as the playbook. And they've, they've simplified things and, and sort of shortened that playbook a little bit. But as time goes on, they're going to be adding or re-adding things that they had. So as teams catch up they'll make the adjustments and you know we'll, we'll see how it plays out but what we've seen the first two weeks under Versace and with Greg Olson calling the plays and somewhat this new attitude this new life with this team um I think that you asked one of the best questions um you know the other day after the game in that is this the right time to have a bye week is it Because you you have all this momentum going, and now all of a sudden you just stop. So is it good to get rest and recovery from a mental aspect, from a physical aspect, or would you rather just keep rolling?
2: I mean, I would make the argument, listen, Derek Carr knows better than me what he needs or what he wants for sure. I'm, I'm not disputing that. But I would actually make the argument that Derek Carr's answer made me think that it was the wrong time. He said... This is absolutely the right time to take a buy. Yeah, we need this. Yeah, we haven't processed what we've been through, and we need to just have some time to think and and figure it out and process everything. Now, my response to that would be, well, wait a minute, maybe it's good that you haven't. Pro- maybe you're just riding this emotional wave, and now if you process it, it becomes a distraction and a bad thing. So, for the same reasons that he said it was good, I would certainly make the argument that it could be bad. But it, all that all that matters. Is how they play and and how they play next week when they come out of it how they practice how they prepare for that game we're not going to know that until it actually uh, takes place next sunday in new york we'll have plenty of time to break that game down of course but this weekend not even the weekend tomorrow unlv and reno that is a an outstanding rivalry and there's so many mixing and matching between reno and las vegas one of the guys who is definitely at the center of that a legend in high school football in las vegas a legend in college football at reno and a former raider uh and a guy that does really good work in the community which i want to get into as well Uh, but frank hawkins i'm excited for this conversation i know you are as well
0: we'll have that next Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600.
3: Carr takes a snap and hands it off now, and running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby! Josh
0: Jacobs! Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company.
2: Back here, Cofield and Company. Silver 7s is our home inside the Corona Cantina every single Thursday. Getting you ready for Thursday Night Football, Cardinals and Packers. Cardinals and Packers. Excited. Uh, We'll talk about that game in a little bit. I'm excited. For right now though i am too. uh because it is it's rivalry week vegas versus reno the one week a year that we care about those people up there
1: well we don't really care about them
2: well we we talk about them and discuss them yes uh but somebody who's very familiar with the rivalry and somebody who's a legend in college football a uh, former raider and uh what i think more most importantly Uh, Somebody who's done a lot of really, really good work in the community since uh, he stopped playing football. But we want to get his take uh, on the rivalry. Former Western High School and, unfortunately, University of Nevada Reno star uh, Frank Hawkins joins us on the phone. How you doing, sir? I am wonderful. And it was unfortunate for UNLV. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for us in Las Vegas. Well, like walk us. First of all, we don't like Reno, but we'll we'll tolerate them for the next you know, 10, 15 minutes while we're on with you. Why, why Reno? What made you go up there and go to that wasteland for college?
4: Well, you know, that's the only place in the state where we graduate our athletes. Number one, (laughs) number two, you know, they played dirty tricks on the local guys. They didn't want to give them a scholarship until they decided how many out-of-state guys they could get. So They told me that UNLV was going to do that, and I was a two-time state champion wrestler. So UNLV came and said, we want you to wrestle and play football at the last minute. And University of Nevada had been recruiting me for over a year, and Coach Aldo, who used to be at UNLV, went to Nevada. So, therefore, that was the best place for me. Not only did I go there and do well on the gridiron, but I'm proud to say like most of our athletes over 85 90 percent I got a degree in criminal justice in four years
2: that that is all very good reasons and obviously a uh, uh, great great career there on the field and off uh, but we we do like to have fun with this rivalry how, how do you see it when you know you, you're you're in Las Vegas you're you know obviously grew up here and have done great things in the community here but went to school up there so when it's rivalry week
4: uh, how are you feeling I bet everybody that wants to bet. I take all their money, and I <laughs> hope that Nevada beats them by a hundred points. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Frank, let's take it back even further because I mean, as a as someone who grew up here, you know, and I I mean, I moved out here in 1972, and I've been out here, and I mean, Western, one of the original schools. I, if I'm not mistaken, you may have been a senior or a junior when uh, a, a, a friend of the show's father went to Western, Stormy Buonantani,
4: uh, her father Rich. Did you go to school Rich? Uh, I do not remember the name, Buonantani. That Buon- name is familiar, though. I know the name. I'm not sure why. But I don't remember from high school. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you off to your
1: why he's familiar to you, but okay. uh, <laughs> but anyway, Western High School, one of the originals, um, and you've seen this town grow. I mean, we could talk about how the town has grown from you know in terms of uh, college athletics to becoming a pro sports town. How. Uh, so many different things with this town, you being a city councilman and, and being involved with the Housing Authority and the NAACP and the growth. But let's start with high school sports in terms of when back in the day when we remember 10 high schools and yeah. when the powers that be, Western, Gorman, or excuse me, before Gorman became this power, Valley, Shapp, there were certain sp- places you wanted to be. You went to school at, at Western where one of the greatest college ba- or high school basketball Joe Stein was at. When you look when you look at where we're at today, just talk a little bit about the growth in in the in in what this town's become in terms of producing athletes in every sport for the next level. Yeah,
4: so I, I remember growing up, and Lionel Hollins um, was a, a big huge name here. Lee White, a uh, big White, huge name here. Yep. Uh, New York Jets uh, Super Bowl. So. Uh, growing up, we had tons and tons of role models. Uh, but I think in my era in the 70s, uh, we saw so many of them guys start to go to bigger schools and then on to the pros. I mean, we've probably had, uh, if I say five, we've had 15 uh, since my jun- since high school in the 70s that have gone on to play uh, pro football. You know, you got Gerald Riggs. Uh, myself, oh yeah, bonanza, and and then it, it was not just football. Then it became baseball. Yeah. Then then and and bef- while wow, football, basketball, um, you know, you got Sam Smith and uh, his brother. It's just, but but I don't know what drove the athletes or the young guys. I know sports and the in the community's always been a big supporter of youth sports, but uh, sending young people to the pros, and it's even more so now. I mean, Gorman is like a meal uh, for sending kids on to college and then on to the pros, but I think it's just, you know, the way uh, the town is, the, the fact that uh, everybody used to know everybody, not so sure how that is now, uh, but back in my day, again, Doc Romeo, you know, he was a doctor for Gorman, but he was everybody's doctor. Yep. Uh, and so it was a big family. And I uh, see- David, David Hum played at Gorman and went on to the pros. Nick Sin uh, um, Sinline, not not Nick uh, Robert Sinline, who I played with in high school, who went on to the pros. Uh, it's just it's it. You know, it keeps going on and
1: on and on. Yeah, there's some legendary names, coaching names that are still around in in the community and. And I don't think that people realize, like, they're still doing things on the outside, like, very quietly and sort of guiding. And, uh, like, you mentioned Doc Romeo. Like, I see his son Cheech Romeo at all the UNLV events. Yeah, of course, Cheech, right? And then, like, Elton Ebar from Chaparral Days, I mean... Um, the Gerber brothers, so on, and so There's still yep. so. bit Jim Allen, I see. It's always oh, funny because wow. we're, we're at Allegiant Stadium, you know, during the games, and Jim works with official scores. And I always tell people, I point him out as he walks by. I go, "That is one of the greatest co- uh, high school basketball coaches in this." He was very instrumental yeah. in AAU basketball in bringing it here when it was the likes of Ron Montoya, Jim Allen, Larry McKay, long before Sonny Vaccaro brought Nike. Those guys right. are the read. John Farrell, who was at Las Vegas High School. And, and I tell them the story, and I say, and also, oh, and by the way, that was Greg Anthony's high school coach when they won the state yep. championship. So um, there's still a lot of legends, if you will, th- that in 2021 where we're at, why Gorman is what it is, why these uh, baseball players and, and basketball players and, and female athletes are getting college. there's a lot of still old-school people that, they, that paved the way for where we're at in this community.
4: Without question without question. And it's always been a, a sports town, uh, even when you think back, you know, to the leaders back when uh, Michael Callahan, who was the governor, mm-hmm. and the uh, Greenspun from the newspaper, the uh, the Sun, and uh, you just, you know, the uh, uh, Furniture Mart, the Furniture Store, uh, Walkers, just so many people. And I'm missing, you know, like the Fertitas and and uh, Herbst, and on and on and on. But those people who contributed to youth sports uh, helped make this a big sports town. And and we may not remember them or talk about them, but it were not for them supporting AAU, uh, not supporting uh, uh, Pop Warner football, of which I'm proud to say Andre is now continuing to support, in which he grew up. We all grew up through Pop Warner, yep. but now we have Pop Warner still in Las Vegas because of him, who's another local guy who played in, in Pop Warner, played in high school, and played in college, and is coming back and still giving back to the youth. And that's the good thing about Vegas. The Vegas people, whether you're here for 50, 60, 70 years or here for 7 or 10 years, you learn to give back to youth programs. And that
2: is. The- of of a real legend in this town, Frank Hawkins, uh, native of Las Vegas Western High School. Uh, A little stop in Reno at Reno, but a great, (laughs) great career. Great career there and a pillar of the community, but also a former Raider. You were drafted in in 1981 to the Raiders, spent your career there, won a Super Bowl, and now they're here in Las Vegas. You talk about being a sports town. What is it like having the Raiders here in town now?
4: We, We haven't began to see the benefit of the Raiders here. Uh, you know, we always wanted a team to root for and cheer for. Some people selected, you know, the 49ers, I mean, 41ers. Uh, some <laughs> folks selected the Dallas Cowgirls, and other men selected Pittsburgh Steelers or the Raiders, right? So now that we have our own team, uh, and as and the more they get involved in the community, they're going to build build the little baby Raiders, and, uh, you know, people will start to move here. There are retired guys who have uplifted their families to come and live in Las Vegas, not only because they don't have to pay tax, but more so because the Raiders are here, and it's a new start, and they want to continue to be a part of the Raider family. So we're all excited about that. The Raiders are here doing well, like the Golden Knights. They came here. They did well. The, the the city responded. Uh, we're we're just it's just fantastic for what's happening. We are going to get a baseball team without question. We are going to get a basketball team before you know it. We led the world in boxing, led the world in UFC. So I mean, Vegas. We when you talk about top five cities in America or in the world, you talk about Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Las Vegas.
2: That's Frank Hawkins. We could talk to him all day. I just have two more uh, questions for you. We're really, really appreciative of your time today. Uh, when you talk about the Raiders, 5-2, and two, looking good. Is this team for real?
4: Of course they're for real. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to tell you something. They got the talent. You just got to let the players play. And the coaching is like managing. When folks do something wrong, you got to correct it. But you, you, you're out there to manage and run the same plays over and over and over. They know what they're doing. When they're relaxed, that defense is on point. The Raiders are going to be hard to beat. I don't care what they say. Carr is a great quarterback. They got a great running back. They got great tight ends. They got a good offensive line. That defense is a pass rush like nobody's seen. You don't want to get hit by any of their safeties. Corners, the corners are doing a great job in coveraging. So now the linebackers are picking up the slack. If the Raiders can keep the opponent between 15 and 20 points a game, I say you will see the Raiders in the Super Bowl this year. Wow. Wow.
2: Wow! Big statement uh, from Frank Hawkins and a lot of good football talk. But, uh, sir, I really admire a lot of the work that you've done off the field uh, after your career. and especially in something that's really important to me and dear to me in, infor- in affordable housing. Uh, so why was it so important for you uh, to, to dedicate kind of the rest of your life to
4: the community after you were done playing? Well, th- thank you for asking me that. I mean, the good Lord has been good to me, and I've been able to be successful at everything I've done. And the one thing that I recognized as a kid growing up, that uh, it looked like everything was the same until we left our neighborhoods. And I made a commitment when I was a young kid that if I was ever successful enough and had anything to give back, that I'd do all I could to try to make my community and Las Vegas a better a better place. And, uh, you know, after retiring and being on the city council and learning the ropes and being success, successful in business, you know, that's where I wanted to focus. And we built over a couple thousand apartments, you know, over seven, 800 single-family homes, uh we have a couple of new projects starting we rehab hundreds of houses and and that's what it's all about too much is given uh much is required and i want to do my part and i have a little voicemail on my phone that says what have you done to make the world a better place today even if that's smiling at somebody or giving a hand up or a gesture that's what it's all about we we must work together to make the world a better place
1: frank i just I mean, and and I can vouch for that because I know when I was starting my journalism career over at the Las Vegas Sentinel Voice with uh, the Browns, Ed and Betty, the Colonel, and of course, Ramon Savoy and Lee and them, and uh, and you were in your term at the council and just so much, so many things that you did uh, for the historic West Side. And especially after the Rodney King riots, I remember how you brought a lot of people together in rebuilding things. So um, just a big appreciation because of what you did in that community. It allows me to, you know, further my career. I'll never forget one forum that we were at. I'll never forget this. Um, We were at Doolittle. And... You, I think you had you. I don't know if you organized it, but you were definitely on. We were, we were all at, out there at Doolittle for a forum, just talking about the media and its and its role and why it was important. And it was KCEP and it was Las Vegas Central voice so on and so forth. And um, somebody reckoned, Somebody saw me up on the stage and they were like, "Well, what's he doing up there?" Obviously, because I wasn't black. And I'll never forget, Zen Dunn said, uh, "That's Willie Ramirez." uh shake the tree shake the tree we're all from the same family and and you have my back and it said uh yeah every from everyone from the sentinel voice is welcome so i don't know if you remember that incident but i actually do and it was a great forum and just just so i appreciate everything that you've always done um especially in that community because like i said uh that's where i got
4: my start well look if there's anything i can do for you guys at any time please feel free to call me i'd anything that
2: i can do to help thank you sir really really appreciate your time today thank you and uh i guess i would say good luck tomorrow i don't think you're gonna need it it's, uh, it's gonna be an uphill hey, battle for yeah, the ribs yeah say good luck i want to hear you say it <laughs> good good <laughs> luck good luck good luck to you uh maybe not the team but yeah it'll be an enjoyable game we'll we'll uh, we can't wait to watch it and uh thank you so much for your time all
4: right appreciate you guys Thanks, good frank. luck now talk
2: you to go. you frank hawkins great great stuff we'll be back uh recap what we just talked about and uh, start to look ahead. UNLV and Reno tomorrow.
0: Silver 7's NFL special. Two 22-ounce drafts, two hot dogs, and two bags of chips for just $7.77. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company.
2: It is Cofield and Company on this Thursday. Huh. Willie having conversations with everybody. He just, the, the show doesn't stop. No, well, it
1: came down to you said earlier. Come down, see Willie got prizes. So I was thanking the guy for coming down. He's hanging out like everybody else. It's nice little uh, environment here. The local they take care of the locals. We take care of the locals. We're here every Thursday, so I'm giving stuff away.
2: There you go. Uh, great, great conversation uh, with Frank Hawkins. There. That was awesome. It was a good time. He's uh, good for been, you. He's catching up. Been entertaining. Catching up with the. Uh, you know, the old school Vegas guys. I know that's right up your alley. It's your forte. Sure.
1: Uh, <laughs> Stormy texted me. Okay. By this, she said, that she said, I said, you know, uh, I got Frank Hawkins. We got Frank Hawkins on the air, so on and so forth. And not sure that they went to school with your dad. Of course, he said, well, the name sounds familiar. The reason why the name sounds familiar is she said, well, I'll tell him Mike Artie He said hello.
2: <laughs> sure, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think. Frank's, uh, Frank's career was amazing. Obviously, one of the uh, leading rushers in college football history Yeah. Uh, at that one school. I don't remember the name that, of where he played.
1: It, you know what? I found it funny real quick. He said, well, Nevada came recruiting me. No, UNR came recruiting because it wasn't Nevada when you were back then. It was, still isn't. No, of course not.
2: No. Uh, but, yeah, great conversation with him, and he believes the Raiders are for real. He's thinking Super Bowl. I think that might be – if." A bit aggressive.
1: Well he said if they continue to hold they gotta hold teams from between fifteen and twenty, he had a little it's almost like he had that little if they can get to the Super Bowl or they will end up at the Super Bowl if that defense holds up. But here's the thing, that was a that was that was in my opinion their biggest flaw last year that was the defense. You know, you they, they they blew three games. And the fact of the matter is if, if that team Shows up defensively last year. They may have ended up the playoff. I'm not saying that they would have made a run, but they have improved dramatically on defense. That's been, to me, that's been the key. Carr has opened it up, yes. He's got more 20-plus yard pass plays. But the offense, if you look back at the complexion of that offense last year, it was doing things. It was scoring points. It was being productive. It was being efficient. It, wasn't, it was a matter of them not being able to close it out because their defense kept letting teams in.
2: Yeah, and so we'll see how they're able to continue uh, the process of, uh, of this season. Of course, the bye week, we talked about their struggles, uh, but plenty of time to talk about the Raiders on the field uh, with the bye week coming up. A lot of off-the-field issues, we'll get into more of that uh, later on as the show progresses. But uh, I always look forward to hearing Steve Cofield's conversations with Michael Felder. Cofield is not here today. Uh, but he did have a chance to sit down with Michael and uh, have a conversation. We'll play that next.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Back to Willie
3: Ramirez and Adam Hill in just a couple minutes on Cofield & Company, but we always speak on Thursdays to our college football insider from Stadium. Michael Felder is with us, but we often go on a tangent, and i got to start out today's college football spot with... Something that we're sharing a brain on, and I saw you tweet out about the cold weather, your tire pressure, and I loved what you said about the quarters.
5: What did I say about the quarters? You, now I got to figure it out.
3: You said got to round up quarters, but that you don't do that.
5: You got to round up the quarters. Everybody knows you got to go to the filling station as the cold weather hits. Your tire pressure is going to drop. I bought an air compressor, man. I, I got an air compressor. I use it and works wonders for me. I absolutely love it. They're really, they're pretty cheap and attainable. They do a really good job. So yeah, I, that's a pro tip, lifestyle tip, what have you. Get an air compressor; it, it'll it'll save your morning.
3: I can't tell you how many times over the years I would go with quarters. I would go to fill my tires, and the g damn machine didn't work and ate my quarters. So finally, yep. I did what you did, and I now feel like the richest man in the world. I bought this little air compressor, and I, yep. I like just for s's and giggles. I, I'm like, man, let me just fill the tires a little bit, just whenever I feel like it. Now, this, this is, is fantastic.
5: Great. Mine's ballad. got I got a digital readout for the tire pressure yep, on it. Yep, I know yep. I'm doing the right thing. I'm living I'm living my best life and then I use I use that thing for man we I'll be we are a three air compressor household at this point between air two for inside for air mattresses and like filling up like kids toys yep. and then we got the portable one for the car that plugs into the little uh, the cigarette lighter
3: Ah, oh, it's so great! It's so great. All right. Well, bad news to get to, or maybe it's good news yeah. in the future. Texas Tech actually got rid of Matt Wells. I wanted to ask you because, like, I'm aware of different college football markets and have, uh, you know, a decent um, knowledge of this. Is Texas Tech a good job?
5: No, <laughs> no. And that's no disrespect to them, but yeah. the reality of it is, like, with the exception of. I mean, I think we're looking at Mississippi State. We're looking at, at, at Washington State. Uh, those are the jobs. Like, that's what they're on par with, right? Like, I don't even think the ACC has any jobs that fit into that category in terms of location and access. I don't think the SEC has any that fit in that in terms of location or access. And uh, Arkansas, maybe, but I think Arkansas is still a better job because you do still have that 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 Louisiana and 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 um, it's it's easy. Let's put it this way. It's easier to get to Dallas or New Orleans from Fayetteville, Arkansas, than it is to get to Houston and Dallas from Lubbock. And I think that's one of the big parts. And then you don't have anything on the other side because on the other side, Arkansas also has Tennessee and they've got Mississippi. They all got players there. So they've got guys on the other side of, of Lubbock is New Mexico. And both of those schools are already having their own problems and, that state's not one that produces a ton in terms of football, so yeah, it's a, it's a it's what we usually call like a remote job, right, or an outpost job. It's why people with um interesting personalities have <laughs> generally trended to that situation. A, a guy that coached it, wow, Mike, Lee, I didn't even realize this until now. He's coached at all three of those places that I mentioned. <laughs> Starkville, Lubbock, and Pullman. So yeah, it's it'll go. be interesting to see who they it'll be interesting to see who they hire. Do they go down kind of that family pipeline with Sonny Dykes? His dad, Spike Dykes, obviously was a coach there for a long time. Uh, or do they do they look at, you know, Jeff Trailer who's at UTSA? Do they look at Dana Dimmel, who's at UTEP? Do, like, how they approach this is going to be pretty interesting.
3: Yeah, I would wait if I were Trailer, And I'll, I'll give you the other guy I saw on a list on uh, one story, and that's Jay Norvell. Uh, UNLV's playing Nevada. It's actually a very under-the-radar rivalry, really good rivalry. Yeah. Um, UNLV's on the wrong side of it right now. But Jay Norvell is pushing 60. Um, mm-hmm. If I were Jay Norvell – I, I might go to Texas Tech if I got one of those monster buyouts. You know, like, hey, three yep. years in, hey, I'm going to get $17 million. But I don't know if that would be the power five job I would jump to.
5: Well, that's the thing. But because I've seen Jay Norville's name also bandied about with respect to Washington State and two very similar jobs. So I, I, I think for him, he's living in a world of when is it going to happen for me? Yep. And so maybe you have to take that job. And that's one of those things that we talk about with with different coaches where everybody isn't afforded always the same opportunities, uh, depending on whether it's the politics or the administration or whatever. It's a situation where some guys have to take – got to take that job. And so if it comes through at the end of the season, and they're having a really strong year, and, and obviously this past week was a little bit of a battle, it didn't go the way they wanted it to go, but it was a, it was a good game. It was a good football game. Uh, Carson Strong's probably going to end up being a first round draft pick. Like you, that's one of those things where you're like, you know what? I've got to take this job. I think it's very similar to, um, PJ Fleck in the Minnesota job was the Minnesota job, maybe the best job for him. Probably not, but it's the job that was on the table for him. And it's the one that he took. Cause it, it kept him still kind of in relative this, the relative same space where he was good at recruiting, well-known, well-respected, well-liked. And so I think from Reno to, to Lubbock, I think you're still going to be able to recruit a large swath of that same space.
3: New coach, right? So Wells is out Texas techs getting 20 against Oklahoma. The question now is, is Oklahoma going to start humming here and annihilating people? They should be beating up badly.
5: I, I am. I don't think so. I think that the the big thing for me is, and we saw it obviously in the Kansas game, but we, we, we've seen it not just with um, Caleb Williams. We saw it with Anthony Richardson too at Florida, right? Like there's, the offense becomes limited when you have these young guys in the game. And if their defense can target those limitations, now you have an op- now they have an opportunity to stay in the football game. Um, and while they are spectacular, and I will say this, I think that the play that he got the first down on was absolute garbage. Um, should not have been allowed – should not have been allowed upon review. How can you review that play and say, yep, this is the right thing? So that did really get me peeved. But at the end of the day, heads-up play by him to, to get it done, you just – the officials have to deny it, not him not try to make the play. Uh, but it, he's he's limited in what he can do offensively and what he can do in terms of the passing game. And so there are a lot more check with me's where you'll see him get up to the line of scrimmage, fake a clap, look over to the sideline, get told what to do, and then make a play. And Kansas did a really good job of honing in on those things and, and, and then changing the picture on him. So it's not pour and stir. This is one of those things that's going to take some time uh, to simmer and you've got to build some flavor to make it work because they still have the same offensive line issues that they had before. They still aren't sure how consistently they can run the football. Uh, do I think Texas tech is going to be the team that takes them down? I don't, I don't think so, but we also didn't think Kansas was going to play them through a four quarter game. That ultimately was a one score away from being a Kansas win uh, without that, that weird play.
3: Cofield and company today, silver sevens. It's a uh, Michael Felder on the horn with us from stadium at in the bleachers on Twitter. Um, Big 10 spots. I already bet a couple of games. First one, am I an idiot for betting Penn State plus 18 and a half against Ohio State?
5: No, I don't think so. I think their defense is good enough to keep it tight, and I think Ohio State is... Yes, they've been blowing everyone out. It's been remarkable to watch, but I also think that this is the best defense by far that they've played that was in Oregon, and Penn State gets... Ohio State, this is the best defense they played that it was not Oregon. Uh, Penn State gets things done a little bit differently than Oregon as well. Like They are a it's not to say that Oregon's not physical because they are, they're an incredibly physical football team, but it's more to say that this is a team that their goal is to lean on you. And we'll see what this offensive line looks like for Ohio state. We'll see what these two young running backs are able to do because the goal for them, Penn state's one of those football teams, Penn state, Iowa, Clemson uh, they operate on these, this thin margin knowing that they can't score points <laughs> and when you live life like that, your defense seems to play at an elevated level. So we'll see what that what happens. I will say this: I think it's going to be close to that, closer than that eighteen number. But the scary part is if Jaquan Brisker slips on a play, or one of those court like Tariq Castro fields um, guesses wrong on a on a double move, the floodgates can open, and that's the scary part about Ohio State.
3: You know Michigan State well. I already played Michigan State plus four and a half. I said multiple times on the air this week, I like the dog and I like the dog to win outright and I like the dog to win by at least seven Michigan State against Ooh. Michigan.
5: This game is, I, I said this when I was talking to my buddy Nicole Auerbach for her show, and I said, this game's gross. It's, 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 Michigan State cannot sustain drives. Michigan doesn't let people sustain drives. Michigan also doesn't give up big plays. Michigan State lives on big plays. Michigan cannot throw the football. Michigan State cannot stop people from throwing the football. Michigan (laughs) can't throw the football. So it's going to be – Michigan. excuse me, Michigan only runs the football. Michigan State's pretty good at stopping the run. So this is going to be one of those things where it's good on good and weakness on weakness. And we'll see who um, whose weakness – ultimately we'll see whose weakness prevails. Where does Michigan State get some plays against the bad Michigan passing defense or passing offense? Or does Michigan's passing offense find a way to make plays against a bad Michigan State passing defense? Like those, are, That's going to be the key to this football game. It's going to be a slugfest in the run game, both yep. sides. And does Michigan get one of those slips where Michigan State's able to create a big play? Because Jalen Naylor and, and Kenneth Walker, those guys live on big plays. They don't live on sustaining drives with Peyton Thorne. They live on explosive plays, four or five of those in a game. If they can get to five explosive – if they can get to five plays over 30 yards – then they're going to win the football game. If they don't get to that number and Michigan's able to contain them, they're going to have a really rough time in this ballgame.
3: Michael Felder's with us. Last couple of games. Um, another one that I don't understand the line on, and you've been a not a detractor, but you've, you've said pump the brakes on Georgia. I think Georgia's awesome, but like I've, every analyst I've heard, I think, is a prisoner of the moment. We all get caught up in, like, no one can beat Georgia. Florida competed with Alabama. Two yeah. touchdown dogs in a rivalry game? I don't get this number.
5: Oh, well, I think the number is – well, there's a couple things at play here I don't think people realize who Georgia's actually played so they haven't played a dynamic offense all season long I think Arkansas is the best offense they play but Arkansas is by Arkansas is by no means by no means dynamic Florida' is the most dynamic offense in the SEC probably Alabama or Tennessee are a close second obviously Am could be in the mix as well uh, but the dynamism with Florida is not just the two quarterbacks it comes with their ability to and their their willingness to to run to throw and throw to run and and make those things interchangeable principles within the offensive scheme. And I think that's going to – they're going to try to put Georgia in conflict. I feel like two touchdowns is a huge number. I would absolutely take Florida with respect to winning by two touchdowns because the other part of it is, is Georgia. What are, we, what are we looking at? Then? What are we looking at with them? Do we expect them to score a ton of points? I think there's a lot of um, – one, I think the Kentucky game was a lot closer than people realized when their scoreboard watch. They see 30-13, to 13, oh, they handled this game well. No, it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter, and Kentucky just doesn't have the bodies to hold up. The Auburn game, again, Auburn had any consistency, they would have had an opportunity because there were throws there, but Bo Nix didn't make those throws. But there was opportunity there. There was good, schemed-up stuff, stuff that was going to get guys open, and they just couldn't hit them. We talked about Arkansas being incredibly predictable with what they do both on both sides of the ball. Vanderbilt's not good. South Carolina's not good. UAB... Uh, they're not even in the same league. And then Clemson, obviously not good offensively. This is a team Georgia still figure We've still got to find out what Georgia is as an offense. And I think that's going to be really critical um, going forward because for them to be the world beaters that everybody wants them to be or talks about them as with the unanimous number one and yada, yada, yada. I think that we they have to show us that if a team challenges them from a point standpoint, they have the ability to respond. And we still haven't seen that.
3: Michael, that was awesome, man. We appreciate it. Have a good weekend. You do the same. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. There he is, Michael Felder, the Cofield and Company, Thursday college football expert. You can find his work at Stadium on Twitter at in the Bleachers, and he does a ton of cool podcasts, including podcasts for Learfield. We're at Silver Sevens getting ready for Thursday night football. It's the Packers and the Cardinals. Remember, during all NFL games, bottles of beer, Bud Light, Bud, and Mick Ultra, just 77 cents at Silver Sevens on
0: Flamingo and Paradise. At the William Hill Race and Sportsbook, sign up for the mobile vetting app and get $50 added to your account.